everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am Mary Catherine Ham, your host. I'm here with my friend Vic Mattis of the Washington Free Beacon and the podcast The Sub Beacon, which you can check out on Patreon. How are you doing, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I think I'm okay. A little dental update. Oh goodness! Uh, well, as it turned <laughs> what out, as it turned out, um, I had a, a, a cleaning. I was due for a cleaning anyway, so okay. I said I had some various weird pains and feelings in the back of my mouth again. So I said, let me just wait. I'll hold off until okay. I go to the dentist, and then could do it because if I do another thing, you know, then there's it's more you're paying more every right, visit. Right, so I'm right. just gonna wait. And so efficiency. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. And, and like the insurance didn't cover the last X-ray. A panoramic. Beware the panoramic X-ray might mm. not be covered. Mm. It's cool looking, but yeah. it's not covered. So I go in. I explain what happened. Of course, listeners know. Some listeners know about the bump in my jaw that turned out to be my jaw. Yeah, I mean that was good you know, news. As I'm turning into was not a foreign object. I'm turning into John Merrick, the Elephant Man, before your eyes. <laughs> Mask. Anyway, so th- I explained to him the whole thing. He looks in there, x-rays, a really great doctor. His name is Dr. Cusimano, again, just like in The Sopranos, Cus. Love it. He looks, he says, it's fine. Everything's fine. The x-rays are fine. It's fine. What you're experiencing and what you feel is quite common for people who have root canals and crowns, which is it doesn't feel, feel quite right. In other words, old people. It's because I was gonna I'm, say, you, you really going to say this that? This is a symptom of uh, aging. <laughs> it's right up there. And, you know, when I was running, I had this sort of – I, I kind of tore my calf muscles. So oh, no. I'm not running for a while because I tried I, – I, I went too soon. Oh. And then it re-aggravated. So I got that. Occasionally got a gout flare up. I didn't know that you had torn your calf I muscle. No, I was in denial. Okay. I said, oh, it would just gets sore after about a mile. And all of a sudden it happens. And my father-in-law, a doctor, said – no, I think you probably tore it and you yeah. need to, you know, take it easy. Run short. You can run short, but as soon as you feel the slightest thing. Chill out. Chill out. Yeah. And I expect diabetes will be next. <laughs> but enough enough, no. of, enough about me. I understand. I have some knee pain. I have some shoulder oh, pain. My my extremities fall asleep while I'm sleeping well, uh, much ho- more frequently than they used I, to. I, I, hopefully you didn't have any of those, those, those pains when you were on air. You know what? Shall we say? Can I say that it was? Uh, it's very hard to have pains when you're flying first class. <laughs> I don't want to reveal that. I wasn't sure. I'm going to give away all my everyman cred. <laughs> no, oh, wait a minute. You tweeted it. Never mind. Everyone knows. I don't okay. think I. I don't think I did. <laughs> oh, I, I thought it was but a photo. Of I you. was. Yeah. I was uh, to go to California to yeah. do uh, Bill Maher show. They they do fly. Do they give you champagne? Like oh, I mean, you flight. can. I can have whatever I oh, want. It's nice. I'm first class. You can't go baby. back now. You can't go. I've done that before. You can't go back. I mean, it really. It's horrendous. It's it's so <laughs> much better an experience. I mean, it is like a whole different form of. I travel. sometimes think that my theory is that uh, business class. Okay, let's not yeah. get. We're not, I'm not going to say first, which is like an entire. Some places, airlines have like three different tiers. Yes, but business class. I feel like business class of 2022. Was economy in 1980? I mean, probably. You know, oh my gosh, food. You know, right. oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, so I got, I got food. I got Bloody Marys. I was, oh. I was good to go. And it was right after the mask mandate was lifted, oh, yeah. so I was maskless by myself, having a mimosa. I mean, so, that is. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get off the plane. It's almost too luxurious. Yeah. So I, yes, I will have to go back with the peons next time I fly. <laughs> But I had I had my moment in the sun. Just to keep it real. And I got to say, it's like, you know how you like sort of dread a cross-country flight? Mm-hmm. Not this way. No, Mm-mm. no, you don't want to. You don't keep on going. I'm like, oh, is, are, are we stuck? Are we texting? Rough. 
Do you have some warm nuts for me? Thank oh you. my gosh. While we taxi. So I did that. Yes. That's the highlight of the trip. Thank you. No, I was just in my mind there was a joke that came up and I immediately stifled the joke. It's okay. so good. Thank you. That's I'm working really on it. Good. That's for the other show. How? <laughs> speaking of other shows. How is Real Time with Bill Maher? We saw the I saw the episode with my Thank wife you. last night. Thank I really enjoyed it. It was good. Do uh, tell. It I gotta say. It's nerve-wracking anytime you go into a new format of show. So if I do The View or if I do Bill Maher. I have done these shows before, but it's just you're not super practiced at it. And when you do cable news, generally you do one or two segments and then you're done, right? These are extended formats. And so you get a list of topics, and I should remind myself each time I do a new show not to freak out about the list of topics because the list of topics is obviously going to change. So I drive myself crazy for a day and a half dealing with... That's how I feel about this show, by the way. (laughs) Fair. Fair. So I drive myself a little bit crazy. And then understandably, in the 18 hours before the show, things get mixed up and people go whichever direction they want to go. But there was one topic that was like a possible topic that was a trans slash LGBTQ oh question yeah. slash uh-huh. issue. Oh and boy. I was like, well, I got to do some work on that. Cause, and I, was, I actually was just going to be like, I'd like to thank you for giving me this nice hair and makeup before my cancellation. <laughs> and <laughs> now good. I will, now I will move forward with my yeah. thoughts, but it is always uh, fun. It actually, that show is like too fun to be work because there's a live audience Bill Maher is funny. It's like, I like I like the free speech warrior in him. I like the interesting directions he's going these days. I end up agreeing with him more than I thought I would. Yeah, that's um, Not that I am averse to disagreeing with him, but it, it's a, it was a fun time. And then Caitlin Flanagan was the other guest. Oh, yeah, she's great. I admire her writing very much. She writes for The Atlantic. I got on set with her, and I was like, this is the chillest person I have ever been on TV with. Because I'm a little... I'm not... Over, I'm not overly anxious, but I have nervous energy when I go on TV, and then it gets channeled, and then I feel more like myself after a few minutes. After it takes a little bit, right, to get to act. She was yourself. like, "What's up? I'm here. These are my thoughts." And I was like, "Wow, I like that vibe. I like that vibe." Let me ask you about Bill Maher because you know he is a longtime comedian and stand-up a performer, and he knows uh, our friend Larry Miller. For example, and of course, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, they all came from New York. Right. They all went out west and the whole thing. Literally, the line from Billy Joel's, you know, song, you know, now he's doing a stand up routine in LA. They did that. And a lot of work goes in doing stand up comedy. And I know he works, you can tell he works on the comedy that he does in the opening uh, right. bit. When he's sitting at the table and you're having a conversation, does he strike you as also in that same mode or everything is very practiced or is it a different No, he thing? seems no, he seems like he's kind of going with the flow when he's oh, at the table. Okay, in fact, well, that's good. some of the some of the topics took turns into other topics that I was not expecting on like as we were sitting there, which is fine. Amber uh, Heard. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> yes, Johnny we, Depp. We did talk yes. about that. I was so glad I had read up on that. See? You see guys? So no, great. he seems he seems very go with the flow when we're talking about the actual issues mm-hmm. the the monologue that he does at the front while i'm in makeup and hair they rehearse that several times and punch it up while you know in the hour before the show so oh. that's they're they're pretty that's, that's a pretty serious process so yes. there's an actual longer break between that opening act and then when you get seated and then bob odenkirk comes out yeah i mean like this is all in the prep time when yeah. i'm in hair and makeup that's they're running happening. through that 
monologue That's a couple of times and testing it with the audience oh. and and adding things to it and changing. So the, the audience here can hear multiple versions. I, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yes. I don't know if I'm, if I'm giving away trade secrets. Oh, but I, no, no, no. It's a very. It seems like a very scientific process when they're they're messing with the wording of that of that monologue. So it is a it's a blast. You know, you get some swag. I think I got a. Oh, got, what did you got get? a Bilmar Bilmar notebook <laughs> and. Uh, it's moleskin, okay? Oh, moleskin. That's, moleskin. Oh, that's fancy to, stuff. To take, to take home with me on my fancy flight. Any booze or anything like that? No. I did I did get ma- made fun of a bit. I got I got ribbed for having mentioned that schools closed for a year about 16 times during the I, show. We're making PPE personal again. That's what we're doing. PPE. And, and it's personal protective equipment. And oh. now and it, the, the word was for the whole pandemic that your mask protects me and mine protects you. Okay. Well... Now, the New York Times and other media outlets and public health officials are doing a thing that I call Now It Can Be Told, which is where they tell you the thing that right-wingers and open school advocates have been f***ing <laughs> about for six months <laughs> is actually true, even though they were telling you it was misinformation right. before. Um, so your, your mask, if you have a quality one, can protect you. Um, and there is a limit to how long we can go before we modulate to a new form of living. We, we have new tools. We have knowledge about this. Uh, virus. We have new ventilation systems. Particularly, planes are good, um, and we have. Uh, we know that masks are a minimally helpful tool, but we told a lot of people they were maximally helpful, and that but, was a bad idea, especially for the vulnerable. But wouldn't it? The only people less likely are the toddlers, right? Right. Uh, who we mask uh, incessantly. I know. I think at the beginning of the pandemic, the word was uh, "stay safe, stay home." Okay. Well, that's a very simple uh, public health message, but it actually discouraged and even demonized your rational risk analysis for yourself, which is something that we have to be engaged in. Um, We have to decide, okay, well, what is my risk level? Two-year-olds don't have the same risk level as 88-year-olds. That's just not true. Being indoors doesn't have the same risk level as being outdoors. But we did seemingly all the opposite things, which is get the kids out of school who are least vulnerable, hurt them that way, close the parks and the hiking trails, which is a thing that we did, um, and then have indoor outdoor spaces to eat that are actually just indoor again <laughs> right. you can take your mask off right? I, I mean it's, it's, it's not I, trustworthy it's just, that's the problem in the end. we did segregate them into cuomo's resting uh rest homes which was a bad idea all the covid positive ones um no i i think look there's a limit on power here there's a limit about what public health can do i think they sold a message that they couldn't make good on and fauci comes out just this week again, and I'm not going to do the accent because I'm not going to hate crime the Italian Americans, but comes out and says like more than he has. <laughs> but basically, like the court shouldn't be telling me what to do. I'm the unelected uh, health official. Well, that's not actually how the power structure works in this country. And I think they made promises that they couldn't keep, and they told people they could keep them from dying. Um, right? But this is an ever-present threat. And then when the mental health crisis happened for these young children. Uh, the CDC and all the health officials and all the school officials who told us that closing schools would be no big deal and that learning loss was not a thing and putting them on Zoom and free-ranging them on the Internet all day long instead of telling them to play with their friends was going to be awesome, they tell us they're going to fix the mental health crisis. Well, I looked at the uh, the Surgeon General's report that came out about the youth mental health crisis in, uh, in December. Closing schools for a year is literally a footnote. It's literally a footnote in this report. And if you can't deal with that failure, then you can't fix the problem. <laughs> but we were talking, we were talking good. about yeah. COVID stuff. We were talking about anxiety mm-hmm. and rising anxiety in society and where that's coming from. And I am 
annoyed frequently with the idea that in all the major blue democratic held cities and suburbs we kept children out of school and extracurriculars and told them not to hang out with their friends and told them to free range on the internet and sit on a screen for seven hours a day for a year yeah for a year it is one of the biggest social experiments on children probably in the history of the country and people just want to slide right by that. I, again, and, and I'd like to remind people, because I remember during that time when they wanted everyone to stay home, don't go out, you know, too dangerous to do this, that or the other. Certainly don't go to a restaurant, you know, right. I mean, and, and everything else. Don't meet with larger people out, don't, outside of your family unit. Right. You know, and even if one of your family's sick, isolate from the rest of the family. Keep that kid downstairs or whatever. And I remember the Washington Post Saying, hey, you know, you're isolated in the middle of a shutdown. Have you tried Poetry Slam? And there was multiple, multiple articles suggesting the Poetry Slam. Because that, I mean, they're just completely detached from reality. Okay, so I have two other questions for you about the show. One, did it feel weird to use profanity on TV versus like like things that you can't say on The View, for example, Um. or CNN? I enjoy it. <laughs> I kind of got that sense. I take advantage of it when I'm on HBO, and he he certainly doesn't oh, mind. Yeah. And I do think that the school closure is what I'm what I'm attempting to communicate is how effing insane mm-hmm. it is that we did this, mm-hmm. and so I like to use that word. Uh, and it was, as you know, it was post Lent, so I was allowed to do that. You said this. I turned to Kate. We're watching together downstairs, and and and, and then I I turned out go. Did she just say MF? <laughs> I did. And Kate goes, I think she did. My parents are so proud. (laughs) Okay. No, but it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And and sometimes colorful language helps uh, communicate that. And then the last thing, the last thing I have is, in the end, he had these great, you know, when he does the uh, new rules, and a lot of them are very funny. And he was talking about how Russia is replacing big corporations with their own like, you know, second-tier brands yes. so for McDonald's and Instagram and different things. And here are some other products. And it was a huge bag of stuff. Yes. One of them was the cream of something. or What would they call it? Cream of... I forget what it was. Campbell's cream of something. Did they let you keep the prop? I believe I could have kept oh. it. And I, I think I meant to. Oh. He did say we could have it. Oh, I would have. And I, I think it might have gotten lost in the... In the hubbub mm-hmm. of getting back to my, I, I would to have my kept dressing the Zarkist. You know what? Zarkist you know what I liked was uh, you must believe it's butter. Oh yes, that's good. That was a good gag. Yeah, very good. Very good. <laughs> so we did that. I did not get to. I barely got to meet Bob Odenkirk, who I'm a big fan of. Were I think you just he's in fantastic. passing? Did you just say yes? He. I mean, he was briefly there before the show uh-huh. and briefly there after the show. But green, wise green wise man chit-chat. did not want to be involved in the political chit chat. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was in a separate. Yes, part of he the was in a separate. Uh, separate. It's a pretty interview. big stage, though. Yeah, my favorite part is that you you have this transformer move when you come out, which is the the, yes. the the stage moves out, like they seat you, and then the stage moves forward. Oh, that's on exciting. like on like wheels. It's very. It's like yeah. It's like hello, <laughs> and then I get excited because I love a live audience, I... even if they hate me. Okay, even if well, they want to hate which, me, I love a live of audience. Which, what was your general vibe of the audience? I feel like during the two thousands with uh, George W. Bush. That would have been, that would have been a very hostile crowd. So I've done the show a couple times before, and it mm-hmm. definitely felt more hostile in the past. Like, yes. oh, we're definitely going to dislike yeah. this chick. Yeah. My aim is always to leave them confused about why they don't hate me. That's my mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my stated goal when I go on stage in front of a, a hostile audience, which I have a lot of experience with going speaking at colleges and whatnot. But this one seemed. Uh, 
it was smaller. Mm. It's also a bunch of people who are willing to sit in an audience yeah. uh, in LA, oh, yeah. which means Without they're masks. which means they're probably more likely to be a little more chill or a little more centrist. Yeah. I would guess. That's a very good point. If they're unmasked and sitting in You're a, finding a lot of these now, these new interesting commonalities. Yes. And that the likelihood is that they're going to be more sort of amenable to your opinions because precisely because they're there. Yes. Uh, so there I were, had a blast. There were a couple of people, I assume they were viewers, who tried to challenge you on Twitter by saying, oh, you know, clearly you don't have kids. <laughs> oh, your no, kids don't go to public no, schools. No, no, no. Or uh, I bet, I bet Mary Catherine Ham has never seen the inside of a public school, oh, and I'm like, right, oh, right, right, oh right. let me tell you a little yeah. bit about my yeah. life. Yeah, no, right. and the, to me, this is, and this is why I harp on this is like, the idea, and they'll throw this thing at you, like, oh, they had, they had to shut schools, and it's, it's crazy to act like they weren't doing what was best and what they knew at the time. Sure, okay, great. Mm-hmm. That gets you through about June 2020, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay, right, right, after right, right. that, we have to shift, yeah. and we didn't shift. Then there are some people who just don't understand that schools were closed in these areas because their schools weren't closed in their areas or they were in private school. Right. And so I, I, I need to communicate those things to those people and I need to reject the idea that I just want children to die. I'm done. I'm done with that argument. Yeah. (laughs) And, and it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm just out there telling the people what happened. And one of the things I noted, uh, is that I read the in preparation for this show because I knew we were going to talk about anxiety and possibly youth mental health. I read the youth mental health study from the Surgeon General that came out in December. Do you know where school closures feature in the study on and the report on youth mental health? Two footnotes. Schools were closed for 12 months. Wasn't a big deal. Not a big enough deal to address in even a page or a chapter of this publication. So my point being, if you want somebody who's going to solve these problems, it ain't going to be the people who are ignoring why the problems started. Now, the problems existed before, Mm -hmm. but what we did to children made it so much worse. No, and certainly the people who might be responsible for this are not going to be wanting to own up to it. So they're just going to bear that. Yeah. Anyway, I had a great time in L.A. I fit in way too much stuff. It was fantastic. I saw my friend Kelly on Thursday night. On Friday, I did the show. Were you like going through L.A.? Were you like traveling around? No, I was actually making most people come to me. At your hotel? (laughs) Well, I don't. L.A. geography is very complicated, as is traffic and traffic patterns, of which there are none. You just go out and it's like, oh, God, now I'm stuck. It's a whole other world. So I had dinner with my friend Kelly. I then actually ate two dinners that night at the hotel bar. The guy's like, hi again. I was like, hello. You didn't leave the whole, you you had both two nights in a row? No, no, no. That night I had two dinners. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) I had one at like East Coast dinner time and then I had one at Pacific Coast dinner time. And and the waiter's like, the waiter's like, hello, ma'am. And I was like, yes, I enjoyed my steak frites very much. And now I will have a beet salad. Thank you. And the next That's day I did impressive. the show. And after Bill Maher's show, I went and did my friend Allison Rosen's podcast, which oh, will come yeah. out. So I did that. And then I went and hung out with my brother and his Very family. Nice. And on and then even before I left on my flight, I had breakfast with my friend Alicia in L.A. Look at me. Fitting it all that in. That is great. Fitting it all in. Usually I try to fit in too much and don't succeed. This time I tried to fit in too much and actually succeeded. So now I'm riding high. How many, do people still say, like, Allison's your new best friend? Isn't that yes, the, the tagline? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. And I am her best friend on that episode. It's catchy. Oh, we did get a shout-out for oh, getting hammered. Oh, yes. Yes, we did. And he got a kick out of it, didn't he? <laughs> he said he's reading from the from the cards. Mary Catherine, Mary Catherine Ham, co-host of the twice 
weekly podcast, Getting Hammered, and everybody laughed, and <laughs> I like the name. She is a CNN commentator and co-host of the twice-weekly podcast, Getting Hammered. <laughs> Mary Catherine Ham, I love the title. <laughs> I, I loved it. I, 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 I really enjoyed that. And then also, I couldn't help but wonder when people see on the Chiron co-host and they find out who the other one is. Oh, you know. <laughs> What? They, are in, they are in they're, for a they're, treat. Well, they're in for something. They're in for something. <laughs> All right. We got a lot on the show oh, yeah. today in addition to my, my own exploits. But first, a word from our sponsor, The Spectator. As the longest running magazine in the world, The Spectator lays aside identity politics in favor of intelligent conversation and thought. From the war in Ukraine to the ideological war in the classroom, from the rise of inflation to the rise of cancel culture, The Spectator has been dedicated to sim- stimulating reporting and analysis since 1828. The U.S. edition of The Spectator has just newly come ashore and is bringing high-quality writing and analysis to U.S. audiences for the first time. The Spectator also covers the best in books, travel, food, wine, Vic's favorite, and much, much more. We have a special officer for li- offer for listeners of Getting Hammered. Sign up today and you'll receive three free months of this print magazine and full digital access. Plus, they're going to send you a free Spectator hat. You know you want to wear it. Just go to spectatorworld.com backslash special offer and use the offer code HAM, H-A-M. I love the writers for the Spectator. A couple voices in there that I love seeing. And I love getting it in print at my house. It's a little treat for me. So sign up today to get three months of the Spectator. Plus, get your free Spectator hat when you subscribe today at spectatorworld.com backslash special offer. Use offer code HAM at checkout to redeem your offer. That's spectatorworld.com backslash special offer and offer code HAM, H-A-M. Speaking of going ham, (laughs) Elon Musk. Oh, hey. Elon. Do you know the expression going ham? I don't. I just said, Hello, my fellow kids. I pretend. When you say speaking of ham, I go, oh, yes. And in my mind, I'm like, I have no idea what that transition was about just now. I'm actually actually long overdue for a t-shirt that says going ham. Going ham. Well, hard as a M, which is what I said on the show, which I can't say on the show. Oh. Anyway. Elon Musk. Oh, thank you. Yes, you got it. You got it. Let me have a little more coffee. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Elon Musk has sent the whole intelligentsia into hysterics. Mm. Hysterics, Vic. Mm-hmm. Histrionics. Because this has never happened before, by the way. So Elon Musk is actually buying Twitter. News broke this week. Yes. He offered, what was it, 44 mm-hmm. billion? 44 billion. 44 billion. Pretty generous uh, on shares. Twitter accepted. Former CA, CEO Parag, is that his first name? Yep, Agrawal. Yep. He's, he's out of here. He's taking his, he's taking his shares and running. And there is much consternation, Vic, oh. about what this will mean. Now, a lot of gnashing of teeth. So much rending of garments. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on. I have to say, that from my perspective, it is hard for me to be super worried about a guy buying Twitter who has this to say in one of his most recent tweets. I hope that even my worst critics remain on Twitter because that is what free speech means. Okay. Even an imperfect attempt at this vision Mm -hmm. is pretty nice, right? I don't... (laughs) I'm not scared of it. Now, I don't think he will, like, do I assume he'll achieve this in perfect form? No, moderating a 
public yeah. forum is very hard. But this seems not like a threat. In fact, it's the opposite of a threat. It's uh, really quite something to see the reactions of everybody. Because again, it's not like Twitter was not owned by billionaires or mm-hmm. other investors from perhaps the Middle East or other places. Also, NBD, if the Washington Post is owned by Bezos, yes, that was okay. Exactly. And no, he and, and Bezos was treated as a savior, right? Because he's saving journalism. Right. And he, he rescued the Washington Post. People don't have that feeling about Elon Musk, which is funny for the guy who's created and led the revolution in electric cars in order to sort of, you know, in his mind, save the environment. You would think they would love that. And I think they do. But instead, there's a, this panic has set in about the quote unquote censoring on, right. on Twitter. And in there. But it seems like a lack of censoring that they're yes, worried about. That's right. Because uh, that's the, the, their, their fear is they can no longer censor the people they disagree with. So Robert Reich uh, says, Musk and his apologists say if consumers don't like what he does with Twitter, they can go elsewhere. But where else would consumers go to post short messages that can reach millions of people other than Twitter? The free market increasingly reflects the demands of big money. To which I say, oh, are we not doing build your own platform anymore? Because that was the message when conservatives complained about possible shadow bannings or the ideological bent of mm-hmm. twitter censors mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i will say the the screen look sometimes conservatives are not correct that they're being shadow banned or that there's any big conspiracy against them yeah. when it comes to social media some of these things are weird just on their own right and there are mistakes that are made the mistakes all seem to go in one direction but look we're not always correct however all the gnashing of teeth seems to suggest that there was a system in place that actually was benefiting yeah the exact people who told us there was no such system in place that's right Again, it's, it's, it's funny because Reich, of course, had previously tweeted when Trump was trying to sue a social media platforms about being banned from them. And he's like, look, it's a private company. You know, uh, a First Amendment doesn't apply. You know, you want to go, you know, right. go somewhere else. Yeah. And company. now you can't go somewhere else. <laughs> Again, the idea that somehow before Elon Musk, Twitter was like owned not by some you know, billionaire who might have powers to, you know, change algorithms to promote certain tweets and not others. It's like as if as if Twitter was Lambeau Field. Yes. You know, like everybody like everybody owns it. You know, Ari Melber of MSNBC has some thoughts along those lines, mm-hmm. Vic, about about how this how this could go. Oh, Would boy. you like to hear him? Yeah, sure. Here's Ari. If you own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you, you don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Does he really know, not know that this is what already is happening? This Does might he be really- a late epiphany. <laughs> if only the Hunter Biden laptop story came out now, he'd be Ari Melber would be all over that. Oh, all over Oh, no, look, look what Elon Musk is doing by my, suppressing My this. reply was... I can't imagine that this could happen. <laughs> it's like, how do they not see this? It, no, it's, an, it's, a, it's a, the, the the lack of self awareness yes. is astounding. It's it's, it's bad. Yeah, um, it I want to ask you, Vic. Yeah. What actually do you think Elon Musk could do to make Twitter better? Ah, do you have thoughts? I am so happy you asked. Me. Oh, I actually mentioned this yesterday on Twitter, and everybody's talking about you know different things about. Um, transparency, you know, opening up the algorithms, right. even little things like the edit button, you know, undo, things of that nature. 
I say italics. <laughs> you, want, you want to be able to emphasize I mean, well, not just for emphasizing. If I'm trying to tout a, a, a review, okay. a TV show, movie, a newspaper, a newspaper, what am I, am I supposed to use quotation marks? That's this is- barbaric. Vic, Vic needs new fonts, guys. I need new fonts in 2022. And somebody was like, oh, you tried this different font. No, I want to separate it in that in order to to distinguish that from the other thing. I can't use quotation Understood. marks. That's, Understood. That's right. what I'm going to say. No, but I, I do think that hopefully he will be more you know, open because I think what a lot of people are fearing, people on the left are fearing, is that you would be able to talk about things like, uh, a laptop, or for example, if you had opinions about biological sex and gender assignment, that yes. you were not going to get banned for saying something like that. By the way, a lot of this seems to have come about because Twitter banned the Babylon Bee for making a joke that referred uh, to what is the title of the the Pennsylvania health official? Oh yeah, I know Rachel Rachel Thank Levine you, as Alex. a man, and they were banned for this hateful content elon musk called seth dylan of the babylon Bee before he uh, made this move it was a while ago oh now boy. but shortly after they mm. were banned and it seems to have snowballed into this this uh, is what they're afraid of yeah but to my mind if you have some look moderating a platform is very difficult one like twitter and by the way i should note that this is a very like limited part of the population that even uses this thing yes we tend to conflate it and say this is the mood but in fact but it is a very influential part of the population that uses this and i think it because it sometimes runs a narrative instead of running people's Mm -hmm. actual contributions freely it distorts what we see in news because the narrative becomes the news as was the case with hunter biden's laptop Mm -hmm. which was of course russian disinformation until it was not Right. That's right. And this is the thing. And you mentioned this on, on Real Time with Bill Maher, which is, you know, right wingers would say things that would get yes. them banned. And then at some point, let's say health officials or health experts are going to say, oh, actually, you know, this is worth questioning the uh, effectiveness of masks or the origins of COVID in China. And now it's OK. Yes. To- no, David, David Leonhardt uh-huh. is our is our MSM dance partner who shows up yes. like six months after we started dancing. Like, oh, hi, are you here now? Right. Are you here? We're gonna do the that's we're right. gonna do the mask mandates don't work because that's been obvious for a it's year. It's like the reverse of a bellwether, but it's <laughs> yes. sort of like you know. And like, look, his yeah. voice is needed to talk to people who yeah. are not going well, to listen to thing. me. However, I do not appreciate being called disinformation or misinformation for six months mm-hmm. to a year, and then people are like, "Oh, learning loss is a thing. Oh, there is increased right. anxiety, and depression among young people. Oh, but they're gonna forget the about all the attacks not on so much. you. Yeah." So. Obama's, were, Obama's going to solve it. There were there were other uh, reactions, I guess, across Twitterverse and the internet. Yes, about about this. Besides Robert Reich, yeah. Did you have any other thoughts or do Alex? Have, Alex, do you have any um, whiny tweets? The whiniest tweet. It was really a collection of tweets mm-hmm. that was about <laughs> like he has all this money to end world hunger yes. and he oh, didn't choose that to do father, that. That was Father Jim Martin yeah. of America Magazine. Which Ugh. you want to talk about actual systemic issues. Mm-hmm. It's systemic and like institutional issues that cause world hunger, not billionaires not giving out all of yeah. their money. That's only yeah. a band-aid that can temporarily fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Well, and also it ignores the fact that Elon Musk has been spending a lot of time and energy and money. In fact, all of his time and energy and money solving very, very tough 
problems and shooting for literal space to work on yeah. solving some of those problems, like giving free, giving satellite coverage, for instance, to yeah. people in oppressed nations. Yes. And, and creating an electric car, which is against all odds, like the coolest car that you can, like it has the most social credit. It ain't no Nissan Leaf, with apologies to <laughs> Nissan, okay? The Tesla is a thing of beauty. I will admit it. Don't love that it gets a lot of government subsidies, but that's not, you know, it's a separate issue. But the libs should love him. Mm-hmm. Did I sound like a socialist or like whenever when I say the institutions no. were the problem? No, you're correct. I'm thinking of like the capitalist uh, yeah. or free market argument in like Why Nations Fail, like that book. Yeah, yeah. no, you're correct. He is like the dream environmentalist icon that like Al Gore wanted in the early 2000s and now they have him, but he's wrong because he likes free speech. Yeah. Well, it's not their kind of... They like free speech as long as it's something they agree with. Well, so so. their version of... And this, I'd call this... It's like the reboot of free speech. Free speech is when you're protected from speech that is icky. And the problem is that the... the, There is is speech that should be moderated on a platform. As I was saying, moderating a platform is hard. There are real threats. There are... There's harassment. There's crime that is... Yeah. Out there. That's true. All sorts of stuff. My concern is that when these platforms get into moderating ideological battles a it makes us all dumber and b eye on the ball there's like actual crime and stuff going on actual lines being crossed instead of like an ivermectin tweet Mm -hmm. maybe maybe not eye on the ivermectin tweet and do the harassment Mm -hmm. and the threats that's right speech is violence violence is speech of course mary Catherine. (laughs) also also they should never attack our sponsor ivermectin ivermectin (laughs) Stand up, folks. Over I take there. one every day. <laughs> just preventive. Just, just preventive. Yeah. We're, now we're going to get a tag. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm we're kidding. Gonna get, I we're will gonna say get... this. I will say this. Uh, for me, well, who, well, the Ari Melbourne one, I think, is pretty bad today. But Brian uh, Stelter. Look, who knows? I, I think that's a, a that's a that's a, a, an example of a broader question for Twitter, which is, if you uh, if you get invited to something where there are no rules, where there is total freedom uh, for for everybody. Do you actually want to go to that party or are you going to decide to stay home? And that's a question for Twitter users. Some Twitter users might love the idea. That there's going to be absolutely no moderation and no rules at all. Others might not want to be anywhere near that. Am I, am I crazy, Matt? No, no, you're right. And what, what happens to the advertising? I mean, if there's no moderation or little moderation, do the right. advertisers stay away? What does that do to the, yeah. the business prospects for Twitter itself? First of all, this is a great example of the genre of like the libertarians will not react the way you want them to because every libertarian is like, I'm at the party. That's what I'm doing. I like how his initial phrase that he uses, total freedom. God well, forbid. Oh. it's It sounds so scary. Yes, total freedom. Also, I was it? Who, who, somebody, maybe I'm sure more than one person pointed this out. It's certainly not original for me, but that Brian Stelter saying this is like somebody who talks about not wanting to go to the party the next morning when they find out they weren't invited to the party, you know, when they're in homeroom and they're like, oh, I wouldn't want to go to that party. Dumb total freedom party. (laughs) Okay. So this is a, a reporter or a blue check of some sort. Talman Joseph Smith. He says, it's absolutely insane at Twitter right now in the virtual valves of private Slack rooms and employee group texts, according to an internal source. Their take breakdown just now. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I really don't want to work for a company that is owned by Elon Musk. The source at Twitter continued. I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. Oh my God, my phone's been blowing up. We have a meeting about it at 5 p.m. The CEO is going to address everyone about it. I hate him. Why does he even want this? They asked. 
The employee continued, Ari Elon. I feel like he's this petulant little boy and that that he's doing this to troll. He doesn't know anything about our policies and what we do. His statement about our algo was effing insane. We're just we're just gonna let everyone run amok? Nobody knows. <laughs> there you go. You you read that with such a plum. Thank really. you. Really. I Thank like you. there was that there's that just a hint of panic and I'm on the verge of the breakdown because yes. of this thing. Also I think it's a straw man to say that because he wants to make adjustments there will be no moderation. You can't even like legally. That's, that's a problem. Be. Yeah. The problem is that all of these, all of these platforms. Twitter was more happy to do it than Facebook was. Facebook sort of got pushed into it by the federal mm-hmm. government and complaints about the 2016 election because Russia bought some ads on Facebook to mess with our election. They got sort of pushed into it. But once you get into moderating ideological political fights, yeah, you can't get out of it. And if Elon Musk sets like these are the rules. They're very public. They're very simple. And we're going to, yeah, a lot of freak flags are going to fly. The left used to like stuff like that, but we don't do that anymore. No, again, it, it's now the reverse, yeah. right? I mean, from like in the 1970s when conservatives were always on the side of big yes. government. And then the, now the, resu- the, re- the revolt of the Reagan revolution. Well, the, now the- we're on the other side. We're very anti-government. And, and the liberals who used to be very much against the government and, and be suspicious of the government, they're now, of course, yeah. rely on. Well, the late the 60s university movement, yeah. the free speech yeah. movement. Yeah. And now we're just like, now nah, we don't do that. I mean, universities almost literally do the opposite yeah, of that. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> we, are, we are not entertaining mm-hmm. other viewpoints. No, no thank you. But there's a lot of speculation slash background reporting about what, what was being tossed around at Twitter HQ. Oh, my goodness. Not that they're in HQ because their HQ is in San Francisco and nobody's in that office. Yeah. But on the Slack channels, which oh, are the HQ boy. now, on the Slack channels, there was a lot of just very, very concern. It actually, it sounded like some of the verbiage sounded very much like someone who's just broken up with a dude in high school and like complaining about that dude. Like, why would he even want to do this? I don't understand it. He's the worst. Why doesn't everyone understand that he's the worst? It was very, very wrought, overwrought, very emotive. And yet I am sure I'm going to assume there aren't going to be any drastic changes anytime soon. Well, I think there's likely to be a measured approach right look although i would look elon musk is a disruptor right right and i I do think people in tech firms understand that that may come with some layoffs that may come with Mm -hmm. like some serious consequences i do think some of those uh personnel changes may be in the moderation under the moderation tent like how many people are doing that if he wants to be more trans how right Right. and if he wants to be more transparent about what those rules Mm -hmm. are and he wants to make those rules more simple. You might not need as many people to do that to protect us from the speech that we well, don't want to one, see. One of the exciting things I think for him is now now that he owns Twitter, right? That he can find out how everything works. Yes. Well, and behind we, we might be privy to some of that. Yeah. Yeah. He might share like, oh, this is what has been. This is how we're changing things because like, it used here's to be the shadow ban. Here's the shadow ban list. Shadow ban. You right. were on it. Yeah. And uh, well, and I guess the big the big outstanding question too. And look. Am I torn on whether this is a net plus for society? Sure. Is whether Donald Trump will come back oh. to the platform. Right. He, I think he's said at times that he's not. Right. He, at he's, the all moment, in, he's all in at the on moment, truth social. At the, moment, at, the, at, the, at the moment of this taping, he's yes. on truth social. He has no plans to come back. So there you go. Jeff Bezos has some thoughts about whether 
the Chinese government just gained a bit of leverage over the town square because Elon Musk has interests in China. Bezos owns the Washington Post and you may have noticed sends you everything to your house from China. <laughs> like I'm just saying, like yeah. if, if this is the question we're asking, it is a question that could be turned on Jeff Bezos as well. I like the billionaires who make my life better. Yeah. I'm not even mad at them. No. It's not my thing. I've just never been into it. Again, and he he seems to be hedging because he says, ah, my guess is that he probably won't. But he did want to throw it out there. Yes. About, you know, it's complex. But, you know, Elon in the the past has been known for handling, you know, uh, complex issues fairly deftly. Well, and this is a that will be a a proving ground for free speech issues, right? Because China will put pressure on anybody to shut people up. But particularly because, of course, Tesla relies on, as you know, batteries that come from China because, you know, rare earth metals, precious metals, lithium, things of that nature all come from there where they're just mining the the heck out of the... (laughs) The, I I forgot where, you know, this is not your show. (laughs) Real time, so I'm just going to say mining the heck out of the earth. This, no, that. this is the vibe shift. Oh, the vibe shift. Have, oh, you, yes. have you heard about you, the vibe you, shift? You were talking about this. I see this is about the, the shifting vibe. Well, there was a viral piece, I believe, from New York Magazine that was about the vibe shift coming oh, out of the <laughs> coming out of the the pandemic and what that would look like for fashion and what what that meant for what was cool. We're searching for the vibe shift, man. I think Elon buying Twitter is the vibe shift. <laughs> That is the vibe shift. Okay, what do we want to talk about next? We spent a lot of time on Elon. And I, as I said, I do not have my computer. Oh, officials going to Ukraine. Americans, they finally uh, went there. So, uh, yes. Surprise visit. The Secretary of Defense and Secretary of State went to Ukraine, where uh, Secretary of Defense Austin, in part, said the U.S. wants Russia, quote, weakened. Is that the messaging that we want to be actively engaged in while we're in in Ukraine. I'm not sure about actively, but certainly we're all thinking it. You know, I mean it's 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 these you know, it's like Biden saying this guy's got to go. You know, it's these are all very neo like, the neocon impulses that they're trying to suppress cuz like, god forbid they ad- admit that. And moral you know. like morally correct but possibly yeah. not diplomatically correct yeah. it's hard i mean it, you know again the russian ambassador to the united states was talking about how you know we need to strengthen ties with the u.s but at this point especially after all these atrocities are being committed by the russians i kind of feel like they have um, turned themselves into a pariah state a very large and powerful pariah state yes. and i just don't know how you can go back into a a a a, a meeting with putin and just have a normal sort of civil friendly well, conversation. Imagine from Ukraine's point of view, and this is this is of course tragic because mm-hmm. ending ending the war would mm-hmm. be good for keeping yeah. more people safe, right? But you can't have a peace agreement under these conditions. No. Once they cleared out of Bukha and and the Kiev area, and it's revealed that they're just slaughtering civilians. Yeah. In what world do Ukrainian citizens? Think, oh yeah, we'll we'll give you some territory down in yeah, that's the piece the, in Donbas. Uh, that's not going to mm-hmm. fly, and it shouldn't fly. Oh, let alone who's paying for all this damage? Yeah, I mean, flatten <laughs> the country. Will there be reparations? Things of that nature. But again, I, I do feel like you know what? If if Russia comes out weakened from that, that that's a good thing. I'm big on. I want to bring back the unipolar moment that I studied so much about. In the 90s. So you can use that knowledge I, again? I, I could talk about the unipolar moment. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. 
I have good news uh, for Republicans in the midterms. The crystal ball, which is yeah, the uh, yes, Larry Sabato's University of Virginia sort of take on all all things midterm. So mm-hmm. they they monitor all these races and categorize them as lean D, lean R, um, likely R, likely yes. D. Uh, House rating changes eleven moves all in favor of Republicans. Yeah. We're making 11, 11 rating changes in the House this week, all in favor of Republicans. The bulk of these changes either move marginally competitive Republican-held seats to the safe Republican category, which means you don't have to spend money on those, and that money can go mm-hmm. to more at-risk seats. More targets. Or move Democratic districts from likely Democratic to the more competitive lean Democratic column, which in a wave could very likely go R mm-hmm. in places that you were not expecting. Republicans remain strong favorites to win the House majority, and with redistricting nearly complete, we can now offer a more complete assessment of what our ratings suggest for the fall. Point being, all the movements go in one direction. I, it's really interesting because I think at this point, as you were saying, if a congressional district is now a lean Democrat, I think they're in trouble. And you're seeing uh, a lot of Democrats now beginning to buck the president on a lot of issues. Title 42 about the masking on planes. Oh, wait a minute. I'm getting confused. Sorry. Can we go to the clip? Thank you. Thank you. No, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Cover for me. But you see more of them speaking out. And because they get that sense. Now, the pushback is going to be really interesting because, and this is something that Bill Maher on your show talked about at the end, which is, you know, the Republicans want to upend everything. Democrats are still believing in democracy. Republicans want to upend. And what the left will probably try to do they do this all the time also, is you're going to find any crazy Republican, yes. no matter what the seat is, it could be running for well, a school board. If they say something crazy, that will be amplified in the media and say, do you want these people? Well, and honestly, ah. well, first of all, that strategy assumes that they haven't already been doing that yeah. 24-7 for yeah. the past six years. Okay, so there's that. And look, this wave may be large enough that we end up with a lot of crazies who win. Like, Yep. This, is, this is the kind of wave mm-hmm. okay. where marginal figures are swept into office. Right, right, right. Taylor Green, so. such as marginal Taylor, <laughs> yeah, Mar- marginal Taylor Green, marginal, marginal. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. She's ridiculous. But I think what Bill Maher was re- was referencing and is is the whole January sixth phenomenon. Right, right. It's like. It, in a true effort to overturn the basic functions mm-hmm. of our government because a bunch of people believed that the election was stolen. In fact, David Perdue, who's running in Georgia, his opening statement at his yeah. debate, he's the sort of the Trump-backed yeah. candidate mm-hmm. against Kemp in Georgia, who Trump, of course, hates because he let he let <laughs> he let Biden win Georgia. Yes. You let Biden win Georgia, <laughs> Mr. Trump. Perdue, in his opening statement to show how sort of mainstream this is, was like this election was obviously stolen. Wrong. So Bill Maher is correct that that, yeah. that is a dynamic of this party that is reprehensible. Mm-hmm. He's all in, by the way, on that. And you yeah. might as well, you know what? You might as well start off your debate by saying, hey, you know, fake election, then there's nothing left to talk no, about. No, it, it's that, you know, well, like they're not going to try to pigeonhole him to try to admit or concede it. No, he just. Just put it out there. It, well, it's his, it's his hope to win that primary, and it probably won't work. But. What too many Democrats assume, and I, I apologize that this is going to be a little bit of a depressing take. Mm. What too many Democrats assume is that January 6th made Republicans at large so reprehensible that no one would vote for them. They assumed that going into the governor's race here. But Yunkin, 
was like, no, I'm not that. A bunch of Republicans will successfully make the mm-hmm. argument, no, I'm not that. And what Democrats also miss is that two years of COVID restrictions and the school stuff and the way they've treated people and like wanting to fire people for not getting vaccines and wanting to tell them that they yeah. can never leave their houses without vax passports, all of that to some people, not a small number of people, actually made Democrats off the table for a vote. For a lot of Repu- for a lot of formerly Democratic moms, by the way, yeah. there was a great profile in the Wall Street Journal of a skateboarding. She's like a mom with like dyed hair. It's like cool, super cool mom, cool mom, not a normal mom like me. She was a skateboarding teacher in New Jersey, and she voted R. Like, yeah. look. You guys have created a situation for yourselves. Mm-hmm. So you've got these two competing kinds of crazy. And I have sad news for Democrats, which is that Republicans are not off the board for a lot of people to yeah. vote for. They're just not. Yeah. People are done. Yeah. Race to the bottom of the barrel. Race to the bottom of the barrel. You, uh, <laughs> you, ha- you had Chris, I, uh, Chris Pratt. Thought. You know what? I will always talk about Chris Pratt. <laughs> if I can talk about That's Chris That's a good Pratt. way to end the show. Yes. Talk about Chris Pratt. What's going on? Chris Pratt, who starred in Guardians of the Galaxy, he is a Marvel star. Somewhat unlikely rise from his comedic start. Yeah, and he was was somewhat schlubby. Schlubby, thick. (laughs) Not in thick that way either. No, he was just like dense. Not thick in the desirable way. Double C thick. No, he was Um, just a. I don't even know because it's what the kids talk about. (laughs) No, you guys, that's the funniest. Oh. I was like, well, I think that's what no, it means, and like, it's like, am I right? Yeah. It's like uh-huh. concerning. Uh, well, yeah, I'm still not sure about gaslighting, yeah. but thick, I think <laughs> I got that it. one. We're okay. Yeah. Okay. So Chris Pratt, after his somewhat unlikely rise from Parks and Rec schlubbiness to to Star Lord cutness and Jurassic <laughs> Jurassic Park blockbuster status, he's he is an outspoken Christian and conservative, and by outspoken, I mean like. Uh, like, slightly more than the rest of the hidden conservatives no, he just in Hollywood. happens like, to follow the tenets of yeah, Christianity. He doesn't. So, he actually so. doesn't really trumpet it that much. No. It's very. It's fairly subtle. He did. He taught. He taught his uh, kid when he was like right. three to do the Pledge of Allegiance. That was my first hint mm. that I was like, interesting. Mm-hmm. He is not averse to firearms. He farms. Mm-hmm. He's like a sort of a salt of the earth dude. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Number one on my Chris depth chart mm. of the you know the Chris's. Yes. Yes. If yes. Already. I like I like a Chris Pine. There are other I like other Chris's, but Chris Pratt is tops for me. Anyway, because he is outspoken about his faith and his politics at times on the Hollywood scale, which is, means not being completely hidden, many on the left have said that he needs to be ousted from Guardians of the Galaxy, from the Marvel, uh, the Marvel series, or from the Mar- Marvel blockbusters. And uh, James Gunn, who, if you'll remember, was briefly canceled but he brought was. back. Yes, I spoke out against his cancellation at that time. Mm-hmm. For bad tweets. Mm -hmm. For his bad tweets. James Gunn, who's been brought back to do Guardians of the Galaxy and Marvel movies, says James Gunn says, Chris Pratt will never be replaced as Star-Lord in the MCU. If he ever was, we would all be going with him. And that seems to be the vibe from all of the Guardians of the Galaxy and Marvel co-stars, including the very, very, very powerful ones like Robert Downey Jr. Do you mean powerful in terms of their superpowers? (laughs) Or in terms of their celebrity status. So, oh, okay. I was referring to celebrity status. But Robert Downey Jr., for instance, has been outspoken in coming to his defense. Oh, yeah. And I think the bottom line is, I think I think Chris Pratt's secret sauce is that he's a nice person. Yeah. That seems to be the thing. So I, I'm glad that enough people are coming to the senses to say, enough already. This is ridiculous. Because 
let me just say, if for the people who are all upset about his sort of Christian beliefs, right? If Chris Pratt were, say, a Muslim, right, right, and he went to a mosque, and maybe the imam at the mosque was saying something about gays that they didn't like, would they go after him for that? Would they go after that? I don't think so. No. So. Yeah, so people are, people are agitating to replace him, and I, I saw a great... So James Gunn replied via tweet, because everything happens on Twitter, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said replace him with, with some headshots oh, of some, yeah. some actors that yeah. could replace Chris yeah. Pratt. And James Gunn says, for what? Because of your made-up, utterly false beliefs about him? Mm-hmm. For something that someone else told you about him that's not yeah. true? And then said he will not replace him. Which, this is, this is a benefit of James Gunn having been through the fire mm-hmm. of cancellation yeah. himself. He's like, and nah, survive. we ain't doing that. And this not is what you need to survive cancellation, is your friends have to stand mm-hmm. behind you, and somebody in power needs to say, I have had enough with these 12 people writing a lot of tweets about this. I will not be ending his career over it. I... I want to like James Gunn, but I always have hesitation in liking him. I always have this feeling, this creepy feeling about him. And the reason is I keep on thinking James Gum, which was the name of Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> no. Except James different, Gunn. Different guy. Different comes, guy. I'm like, Ugh. I like James Gunn because I like the funnier Marvel movies are my They're favorite great. Marvel yeah. movies. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the mm-hmm. few superhero movies that mm-hmm. I've watched many times because I enjoy it. Every single time I watch Surprising, it. Surprising. You know, people who might listen to Subby can know that I'm kind of sick and fed up and tired of superhero CGI movies. I really <laughs> yes. am. Uh, and there's some awful ones. But I remember having such low expectations for Guardians of the Galaxy. But I was actually very pleasantly surprised. I said, it's funny. You know why it's funny? Because the writing is funny. The writing is funny. And the, the folks in it are charming. Yes. Like Pratt, They're likable. M- They're highest all likable. And I also like James Gunn. And I'm going to recommend just a a real polarizing movie for you guys i am a fan of the movie called slither not sliver which is an erotic thriller of the 90s that that was my movie that's a baldwin that's yeah that's a sharon stone peak baldwin era sharon stone uh, the other erotic thriller was the other ball but no not that one slither as in a worm oh (laughs) and my maybe my favorite genre of movie is uh comedy horror Ooh. And there aren't a ton of them. Slither, Alex is like past. Slither is she one of them. She does not like comedy, you can tell. <laughs> it, it stars Nathan Fillion and Elizabeth Banks. Oh. Before the two of yeah, them yeah, were yeah, super yeah. famous. Uh-huh. Certainly before Elizabeth Banks uh-huh. was super famous. And it's just about an alien invasion that goes horribly and comically wrong. And yeah, no, okay. you would you would I clearly like hate it. I just yeah. it. Oh, don't just walk. Like okay. <laughs> anyway, you guys can check it out and either hate me or love me. But that's a James Gunn movie, and I've been a fan ever since. Wonderful. I have a shout-out, just a just to mention, really. It's a listener, Sean. It just goes by listener Sean on Twitter. He says, Mary Catherine, that our theme song is the same as the one they use for Zaxby's. Oh, my gosh. I did not know this, and I, I feel like I should have because I, I have a lot of fried chicken knowledge, as yes, you know. Yes, yes, you do. More uh, than me. It's a, it's, a special, it's a special area of expertise for me. And I specifically have Zaxby's knowledge for this reason. The Zaxby's recipe and and way of doing business, which is like this very short, it, it originated at an Athens, Georgia chain. I don't know that the chain actually originated in Athens, but it was a southern college town chain called huh. Guthrie's. Okay. And Guthrie's had two or three dingy little branches in franchises in Athens when I went to school there. And I worked at one of them on game days. I filled, oh I filled, uh, I did refills. <laughs> so game days at Guthrie's were busy. very, very intense. Yeah. Okay. 
Good for you. Someone, I believe, are we going to get sued for this? I think it, I think it's true. Okay. <laughs> I hope this is a, Sir, okay. Mr. Yeah, Mr. Zaxby. Oh. <laughs> Mr. Zaxby. Joseph R. Zaxby is going to come after me. Someone from Guthrie's took the concept of Guthrie's, which was not, which was very poorly run, uh. and went and launched it separately at Zaxby's and made this huge success oh. out of it. So I actually have a connection to Zaxby's through Guthrie's, That's and now good. there's just a whole scandal. I've never been to a Zaxby's because I'm from New Jersey. And they and down here they don't have any so Zaxby's. I wish I would love try to try. It. I would love to try Zaxby's. You should try it. It's great. Mm-hmm. And Guthrie's. This is how bare bones it was. Zaxby's has been more um, has tried newer thing, more new things than Guthrie's ever did. Guthrie's. When you walked in, the menu says chicken finger sandwich, chicken finger box. That's it. Uh. The chicken finger box comes with some Texas toast and I believe mm-hmm. some slaw and oh, some Texas, fries. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a chicken of... finger sandwich, three chicken fingers on the Texas toast with the special sauce, which I know the recipe for, but I cannot tell you. Oh. Because, <laughs> by the way, oh, wait, one more thing. Yes. This is the, the dark side of the fast food. I didn't think there was one. No, no. There, my, my friend was the manager at Guthrie's, which is why I worked there occasionally. And when she made the special sauce... It was just five-gallon buckets of this mayonnaise-based <laughs> concoction that she mixed with, like, an industrial drill. Like a drill, but, you know, that, that swirls concrete or something? Like you Okay, would... you can't see my face because we don't have the video, but my jaw actually dropped to the table. <laughs> because I was picturing you saying, like, you know, some sort of a spatula, no, a wooden spoon. A drill, a, a straight-up... Like industrial, nice construction level drill with like the I'm covering the, my mouth now. The fancy drill bit on it, oh, and that's on. how you stirred it. Nice like, drill. There was, there, was, <laughs> there was something. There was something distinct. You know, very distinct about that stuff. They couldn't figure it. Now they know it was oil. I it mean, you the, know, uh, yeah. All kinds of oil are welcome in the fried chicken business. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> That wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. I'm starving. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. Tell your friends. I am at MK Hammer on Twitter and Substack. You can find me at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Thanks for being with us, guys. Try the fried chicken. Try Slither. Not Matt. Nope. Not Alex. She says nope. <laughs> this has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.